My name is Eugene Rogan, and it is my great pleasure as director of the Middle East Center to welcome you all to an inaugural event marking the creation of the Kurdistan Society, which is the first society in this university's history to serve as a forum for discussion and debate about issues that affect the Kurdish people and their region more broadly. I'm enormously grateful to Ari Mumshai for having suggested tonight's event and for sharing you know, the fruit of his networks with our community in the Middle East Center. Ari is not a natural member of the Middle East Center community. He comes to us through marriage by the Blavatnik School of Government where he is pursuing his master's in public policy. So I must credit my wife's institution with having brought Ari to our community. I can't claim him strictly as a Middle East Center student. But uh, we're, we're very honored to have you with us, Ari, and we know that this is a busy time of year for you as you're coming into your final term of the Master's in Public Policy. We wish you success, but before that, could you take a moment and introduce the speakers that you have so kindly invited for tonight's panel? Thank you, John. Um, thank you for our very first event of the Kurdistan Society of the University of Oxford, which I and my partners here have co-established and co-founded. In February, I approached uh, Eugene and told him this year, well, as I work in archaeology and I have in, I'm an insider, I told him this year something is going to happen with the status of the Kurdistan region of Iraq. So let's organize and bring more Kurdish issues on the table here at the University of Oxford. Well, thank you again, and he accepted the offer. I said, let's talk about the independence of Iraqi Kurdistan region. Just one month ago, exactly on April the 2nd, the two ruling parties of the Iraqi Kurdistan region, the KDP and the PUK, agreed after a long meeting to hold the independence referendum in 2017. So there was, I had good predictions, I guess. The, the details of this referendum been, are being working out. The KDP and PUK have both engaged with other parties that have been to Baghdad and they have also engaged with the international community. The details, the following details could be uh, discussed tonight with our um, distinguished guests. On my right side we have uh, Mr. Jang Sagni, who is a research fellow at the Moshe Dayan Center, University of Tel Aviv. And next to him is Mr. Heman Hurai, who is the senior advisor to the president of Kurdistan region. Iraq President, His Excellency Masoud Bazani. Jenk is doing currently his um, PhD at the University of Tel Aviv. He is the coordinator of uh, Kurdish studies at the Moshe Dayan Center. Uh, he has studied back in University of Kurdistan, Hawle, UKH, for his undergraduate. Mr. Heyman Horami, as uh, some of you probably know, he has been in politics for a long time now. Uh, he's also uh, doing his PhD back at home, university is a very locally produced intellectual politician. He's uh, previous to his, this job, was uh, he was in charge of the KDP's, the ruling party, foreign relations office. I will start with Mr. Heman Harami, as who is very much into the issue of uh, independence and the referendum, to inform us on the latest developments of this um, now happening story. Good evening. Thank you very much for the invitation, and uh, I'm very glad to be here today with all of you. Uh, the notes that I prepared to talk to you, it's about the process of uh, Kurdistan as independent and the referendum. And I'll start by that to uh, throw this question, why referendum, why now? Uh, 
And this is important just to go into to discussing the situation. Ladies and gentlemen, as you know that the Middle East is going through a very transformation period right now. The post-Saxpico Middle East is over. And we are in the process of having a new Middle East. And that new Middle East doesn't mean a more stable Middle East or more solved problems of the Middle East. But the state-centric of the post-colonial Saxe-Biko is over. That order in the area is, or, is over. And now we have more failed states in the area. We have the, the, the search of the non-state actors, positive non-state actors, and violent non-state actors. So that's if you go through that kinds of the process, Iraqi Kurdistan region has proven that we are no longer part of the affected factors in the Middle East, but also we are part of the players in the new Middle East. And this new system in the area, which we are part of the shaping of it, with the process of referendum and independence, also makes the Kurdistan's positions in the new Middle East in a more prominent position. When we talk about why referendum, why independence for Kurdistan, I am not going to give you a lecture about history, but it's very important. I myself, I am from the Halabja, from the town that was chemically bombarded. So when we ask about many people, many diplomats in Erbil, they've asked me why you are doing referendum and why now? And our answer is that because we don't want our future to look like our past and present. We want our future to be different from the past and from the, from the present time that we have. In the past, ladies and gentlemen, we as in Iraqi, in Iraqi Kurdistan region, we have gone through two main processes. The first one from 1921 to 2003, the second one from 2003 to 2014. The first one, we have been ruled by a series of Sunni Iraqi governments through different Sunni Iraqi governments. In post-2003, we have been in an Iraq that was supposed to be a new Iraq based on consensus, federalism, constitution, democracy, pluralism. So we had some sort of democracy without having Democrats in Baghdad. We had some elections. We had some representation of the Kurds, but without power sharing in Baghdad. So in the first processes, as I said, I myself, I am from the town of Halabja. What we got from that <coughs> Kurdish supposedly partnership in Iraq that was established in post Biko. It was the destruction of our society, chemical bombardment, Anfal campaign, mass graves, and that, that's what we all got. In the second that process from 2003, what we got from this new Iraq, especially because we, we, we worked very strongly on having that new Iraq, what we got from this new Iraq right now, Saddam is gone, but Saddam's mentality, the strong centralist mentality to rule Iraq through Baghdad, the political majority of the Shia majority in Iraq, the... the the disenfranchisements of the Sunnis undercur through series of the Iraqi governments in post-2003, the lack of implementation of the Iraqi constitution, 46 articles of the Iraqi constitution have not been implemented, especially on the Kirkuk issue, on the national resource issue, and many other federal institutions, they were not built. So... Beside that, the lack of national army in Iraq, the lack of national institution, the lack of balanced representation and power sharing in Iraq, and politicization of the Iraqi army and the security sector during Maliki's premiership has led for a more sectarian you know, army in Iraq that has led to the surge of ISIS in Iraq because that Iraqi army couldn't stand in front of this organization. With all of that, ladies and gentlemen, in February 2014, it was like a turning point in the new history of the new Iraq for us, when the Maliki started to cut the budget of Iraqi Kurdistan region. 
when they started cutting the budget of Iraqi Kurdistan region, and we have been suffering from the that uh, sectarian policy of the Maliki government. So through that, the Iraqi Kurdistan region, after that, faced with this fight against ISIS. So in a post. ISIS Iraq is completely different from the pre-ISIS Iraq. So that's why Iraqi Kurdistan region, we don't want that future, the future of Iraqi Kurdistan to look like the past of going and being ruled through series of the Sunni governments and also to be ruled through these different kinds of the Shiite governments because there are new developments in Iraq right now. Iraq is practically divided. The Shiite majority in Baghdad after the legalization of the popular mobilization forces or popular mobilization units, it's called Hajj al-Shaabi in the, in the Arabic term. So this is a new era in Iraq because there are attempts to have a parallel forces in Iraq to the Iraqi National Army and in the reconstruction of the post-ISIS Sunni areas and the power conflict within the Shia house, within the Da'wah party, in the com- upcoming elections and the participation of the Shia militias in the elections, that's going to have a new power dynamics in Iraq. So we in Iraqi Kurdistan region, this is the question that we have. We have proved as Iraqi Kurdistan region that we are part of the stabilizing force in the Middle East. We have been the most reliable partners on the ground for the coalition against terrorism and against ISIS. Based on information from our security services and with the, security, with the information from the coalitions, in the last three years, only in the fight of the Peshmergas against Daesh, against ISIS, in the battlefield, and based on information from our organization, 15,000 terrorists from ISIS were killed in the battle with Peshmergas. We have lost 1,705 Peshmergas as of yesterday, and we have about 10,000 wounded Peshmergas in fighting ISIS. So imagine we had ISIS from 105 different countries and nationalities that they were fighting with us in Iraq, in Mosul, and around the Mosul. For the Battle of Mosul, we gave the key of liberating Mosul through defeating ISIS in their defense lines around Mosul. So we in Iraqi Kurdistan region, we have been your own boots on the ground, defeating ISIS militarily on the ground because on behalf of the free world we have been fighting this terrorist organization. So for the future, if we are not going to solve the issues right now, we believe that federalism in Iraq has failed and that was our past in Iraq. So we have to have a new formula. And this new formula, we are not going to impose our political leaders' vision on our people, but we want to get this uh, mandate from the people through referendum. So that's why KDP and PUK as two main political parties, along with the other political parties, we have decided to have referendum in 2017. And we are going to do it in a time frame between <coughs> July and December. So this referendum is, is, is for independence. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, academically speaking, this referendum doesn't mean independence immediately. It starts the process of a serious dialogue with Baghdad about the amicable divorce between Iraqi Kurdistan region and the Iraqi government. Why Kurdistan independence brings more stability to the area? Because we have proved in Iraqi Kurdistan region, ladies and gentlemen, that we have been asset to stability in the area, in Iraq. For example, just to give you some figures, out of 350,000 Christians in all of Iraq, right now 335,000 of them, they live in Erbil and Duhok in Iraqi Kurdistan region. So there must be a reason why Christians find a safe heaven for themselves to live in Iraqi Kurdistan region. Because of the deep-rooted multiculturalism and coexistence and tolerance and religious freedom that we have in Iraqi Kurdistan region. Kurdistan proved that we are partners for the regional international security. And I don't want to go to the details of 
how much we did for the international security and regional security, but the bravery of the Peshmerga forces by defeating the myth of ISIS in Iraqi Kurdistan and in Iraq. And we have liberated uh, 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 over 31,000 square kilometers from ISIS. I don't know how much that in miles, but it's 26,000 maybe. Liberating 31,000 square kilometers from ISIS, killing 15,000 of them, being in an excellent coordination with the coalition against uh, terrorism. There are about 20 countries who are represented in this coalition group in Erbil. So we have had all of that coordination and the cooperation with the international community without having a single collateral damages. So that's another sign that how professional the Peshmerga forces, how professional the intelligence and the security services in Iraqi Kurdistan they have been in their coordination with the coalition forces. We have coordinated and passed all of those information without having a single collateral damages. This is first time in that big battlefield to have zero collateral damages due to that high coordination that we have. And also, in terms of Kurdistan's contribution to global governance in dealing with the IDPs, internal displaced people with the refugees, Ladies and gentlemen, the, I, I read once that the international standard that every 136 citizens, they must have one refugee in a society. In Iraqi Kurdistan, every four citizens, they have one IDP. And imagine if all of Birmingham be an IDP and go to London, and London is surrounded by ISIS and there is no budget to oil price. Can you imagine that? That's what we have been going through. So this is important for that Kurdistan's contribution by having all of these IDPs, internal displaced people, we have refugees from Syria. And right now, even from the Mosul operation, we have received 200,000 new IDPs from the area. Even in Erbil and the Hook hospitals, we have been treating 35,000 wounded Iraqi soldiers and civilians from Mosul without having any support from Baghdad. We had very, very limited international support as well. In terms of Kurdistan is functioning despite all the deficiencies in our institution. We admit that we are, we are learning in a learning process. We had some sort of corruption in our, in our kind of the administration. We had some sort of deficiencies. And the President Barzani, the KRG itself, they have announced that and they have reform package with that. They have programs with the World Bank, with the International Monetary Fund, with the Iraqi government to identify the source of malfunctioning of the system and to address it. But despite all of that, I highly recommend you to read a report by the Economist Intelligence Unit, the Economist magazine. It's called Benchmarking Success in Iraqi Kurdistan. And if you look at all that six global indexes, Iraqi Kurdistan region is 60 to 70 points ahead of the Iraqi government, and we are on the level of the Indonesia, Croatia, and Jordan, with my friends from Jordan is here as well. So if you look at Kurdistan, managed to be like a functioning organ, a functioning institution in that new area. Ladies and gentlemen, the independence of Kurdistan is going to contribute more because we want to be independent. We want to get rid of that political economy that we inherited from Baghdad. That's based on rentierism. We want to have our own uh, political economy that will be easily integrated into the world economy as well. So Kurdistan's independence is on horizon. The process of referendum will be in this year, as I said. And then we will start a serious negotiation on that, the the, the terms of this amicable divorce with Baghdad. But despite all of that, we want to have like a Czechs and Slovaks model in our relationship with Baghdad based on more e economic interdependency and continue on the joint defense uh, security policy coordination that we have on the Mosul against the, fight against the ISIS and the, Mosul of the, and the fighting in the Mosul. 
and also for the international community, our message is that, that Kurdistan's independence will provide more security in the Middle East, and we will be better positioned to be more reliable partners for you. And also, Kurdistan's independence, it means that also we are going to be in a... Because Iraq refused to be good partners with us. If they don't accept partnership with us, we don't accept to be their subordinates after that sea of the blood that we have provided. So we don't want that past to come back in the future. That's why our message is that, that Kurdistan's independence is in the best interest of the stability in the area, is in the best interest of shaping a more fair order in the new Middle East that we have. And I am ready for answering any question that you have. Thank you. Thank you very much. We'll have our second presentation from Genç Sanic. Thank you for the invitation again. I'm so honored to be here, invited by your institution and to speak with uh, Mr. Habrami. This also, also makes my job much easier because he had a, almost covered everything about the details. So I'm not going to be talking about how this referendum process will be undertaken in, in, in the Kurdistan region or what is the plan of the KRG to implement the prospective referendum. But um, I would rather focus on the changing balance of power and even the nature of power in the region. That is a challenging factor for the overall stability that we're all looking for. To start with, in a theoretical perception, one could say that the Kurds were tasked to preserve and restore stability to the region when they were supported by the U.S. and the international coalition to fight against, to fight against ISIS. So it was not only an ideological position that the, the, the civilized world um, rejected to accept extremist Islamism to be ruling a territory. It was also about the newly inserted type of mode of governance that ISIS introduced was a challenge to the overall stability. So that the focus about what we're talking about, Iraq, and Iraq's post-ISIS feature, has to do with how are we going to preserve the stability of this region as, as the central Iraqi government and Erbil are the two main actors in the region. So if we come from this end and go back to what the ISIS war has changed in the region, one would find that there is a huge change in the balance of power. We're not talking about the KRG of pre-2014 that was demilitarized almost entirely because the regional government believed that it could become some sort of a Greece or a Switzerland of the Middle East by not having any disputes with its, its neighbors and by creating a safe zone for everyone to come for any kind of business or political activities. In 2014, when Peshmerga forces uh, faced those setbacks in Sinjar and elsewhere in, in Nineveh, the region went to a remilitarization that has turned, even, even made changes in the ideologies of, the, uh, of how the Kurdistan should be preserved. So by its remilitarization, the regional government contributed to the stability of the region by, uh, by allowing the Iraqi forces to pass through uh, KRG Peshmerga-controlled areas to reach Mosul, without which the operation would be impossible. But in the meantime, 2014 was a different year for the KRG. The same year, the regional government lost its budget share from the central Iraqi government, imposed by the, pro by the former uh, Iraqi Prime Minister Nouri al-Maliki, but implemented also by uh, his successor, uh, Haider al-Abadi. And nobody expects that Iraq will ever have the political capacity to share its own revenues, in quotation marks, with the hostile KRG, uh, because the Iraqi public uh, will not accept it anymore. 
And that's the reason why Hyderabadi is still in power and cannot do anything about KRG's budget. So it was not only a military crisis in 2014, but the KRG went through a, a significant uh, financial crisis. More interestingly, in 2014, in the course of nearly two months, the territories controlled by the KRG expanded by 40%. That's, that's the huge percentage <coughs> that we're talking about. The, the semi-autonomous region not only started to act as a sovereign entity, but because it was the only way for the U.S. and the international coalition to uh, have any sort of relation with the KRG against ISIS, in the absence of a geographical connection with the central Iraqi government, but the KRG also expanded its territorial control, extending from Sinjar to, to the south of Kirkuk, with the support provided by the U.S. and the international coalition, with the air support provided for Peshmerga forces, which were seen as, a factor for, as an actor for the, the restoring the stability in the region. What else? Kirkuk was incorporated in a very interesting way. I remember in Washington, D.C., the, the governor of Kirkuk was uh, telling about how were the days when ISIS were, was approaching Kirkuk. He said he was in contact with an Iraqi general who told him that he was out in the, in the field uh, waiting for ISIS to approach until he found out that the general had already fled to Baghdad and there was nowhere, no one in, no military in Kirkuk to protect it. And the Kurds incorporated this, the, the, this big oil-rich city in 2014 again, and it's irreversible at the moment. Again in 2014, when the, Kurd, when the KRG was facing a significant financial crisis caused by the suspension of the KRG's budget share from the overall Iraqi budget, the Kurds have started their, what I call, the creative way of selling, exporting oil in order to fund the war, in order to fund region in general. But another interesting thing happened in 2014 with the intervention by the U.S. US government and the United Nations, and I'm sure Kak Heman was involved in the process. The KRG and the central Iraqi government signed an agreement in December 2014 for the share of oil revenues. In modern history, it was the first time a central government signed an agreement with a regional government on an equal basis supervised by international actors for them to be able to share revenues. Since then, KRG's oil exports have been totally legal because it was treated as a client by the central Iraqi government. It was no more the region that had to follow the orders of the prime minister, but the Iraqi government itself recognized KRG as a sovereign entity to be treated as a client for the exportation of oil through the carriage-controlled areas. These are actually significant developments that we have faced in the Kurdistan region and Iraq in general. The KRG, although never confirmed by the central Iraqi government, the KRG openly says that it had a deal with the central Iraqi government to allow Iraqi forces and even the uh, some even militia forces to use KRG Peshmerga-controlled regions to reach Mosul in exchange for an agreement that the KRG Peshmerga forces will remain in the formerly disputed territories that are under the KRG's control now. So what we're talking about, a huge change in the balance of power. So ISIS did not change the balance of power on a, power on only on a global basis, not only in Syria. We have seen significant changes in the Kurdistan region. That cannot go this way. I'm not going to go into very into tiny details, and I'm sure it will come in the, in the questions. But the thing is, 
if we are concerned with stability in the region, we have two options. We either need to reverse the entirety of these changes that have been introduced in the course of three years to the region in order to be able to restore the status quo in the pre-ISIS era. That means we have to, res- we have to reverse the situation that some uh, 70% of the formerly disputed territories should go back to the Iraqi government's control if we're not talking about an independence Kurdistan. We have to find a way for the Iraqi Kurdistan to annul and uh, denounce its uh, agreement with the central Iraqi government for uh, the share of oil revenues uh, so that they can receive its budget from the central Iraqi government again. We have to change so many things in ideological levels, but not limited to. We have to change the mode of relations between Erbil and the rest of the world because the rest of the world have been treating Erbil as a sovereign entity which was the only way for them to support the KRG in the war against ISIS. So the question is, can we really change all these? Can we really reverse this? Can we really go back to pre-2014? Can we really convince the Iraqi Kurdish Peshmerga forces to withdraw from Kirkuk from now, until now? Would any government in the KRG accept to risk its popular support by withdrawing all these regions? Can we really uh, cancel the agreement between Erbil and Baghdad and restart oil exports by, uh, supervised by, by SOMO, the official uh, state-owned company of Iraq? These things seem impossible. But don't stop there. The changed balance of power is preventing KRG and Iraq to have stable relations. So we are actually challenging our own stability in the region by not allowing two partners of the Western alliance to have stable relations, relations <coughs> as they have clashing interests because of the changed nature of balance of power. In my understanding, the independence referendum, be it to be followed by an immediate, immediate declaration of independence or just remain as an independence referendum, can contribute to several things to the region and the Iraqi government, but most importantly about the relations between the two entities. Once Kurds or the, the, the KRG administration proves itself that it told a legitimate independence referendum for its own future, the Kurds will have better chances to have stable relations with the central Iraqi government, and we will have, as the Western world, as the Western alliance, or the, or, or the, or the alliance against the rising power extremist ideologies, ideologies in the region, we will see two partners of the alliance having better relations, let alone the fact that the KRG will have much better chances to cooperate with Iraq if it declares independence. And it's not only contribute to Iraqi politics. Think in this way, KRG is a landlocked region, and its only outlet to the outside world is Turkey. It's because KRG has no good relations with Iran or Syria, and these two countries are failed states, and we have only Iraq, which has, which has the, 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 a non-functioning government and, bad pro- and, and, and severe problems with the, uh, with the Kurdistan region. So I'll encourage you to think of this way if you're talking about stability. Wouldn't it be good for the entire region if the KRG has an outlet to the, to the Western world through Iraq, not only through Turkey, by becoming, by legalizing its already de facto sovereign situation in northern Iraq, the KRG could restore stable relations with the central Iraqi government and reach to the world seas through the Basra port. It's not going to cancel its relations with Turkey, but the Kurds will have bigger 
advantages by having an alternative outlet to the world by stabilizing the relations to, uh, with, with the central Iraqi <laughs> government. That's uh, my understanding of the situation is actually can be summarized in several points. First of all, the balance of power in the entirety of Iraq has changed and cannot be restored. Second, what the KRG has achieved in the past three years are much bigger achievements it has achieved in, in the past 30 years. Third, we need to protect the stability of the region in order to be able to prevent the re-emergence of organizations like ISIS and Hashd al-Shabi, the, the Shiite militia forces. And the four is, like it or not, Iraq is a Western ally. It will stay as a Western ally because of all the investment made by the U.S. coalition uh, for this country to stay as a country. So the KRG and Iraq will always stay on this, in, the, in the same club, in the same camp, no matter who comes to power in Iraq and who has relations with Iran or not. So the KRG's restabilized relations with central Iraqi government will further contribute to, to the stability of the entire region. Thank you very much for listening.